welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Faith Ryan. COVID-19 has not only disrupted the delivery of cancer care in the U.S., but has also had a tremendous impact on how cancer care is delivered on a global scale. This includes significant reductions in cancer screenings, such as cervical cancer, a leading cause of death for women in low- and middle-income countries. On top of that, many areas have limited access to resources for screenings, diagnostics tools, and affordable treatments. At the forefront of cancer control efforts worldwide is the National Cancer Institute's Center for Global Health. The center supports research and strategies across the agency to improve cancer treatments and service access, helping to reduce health inequities for low-resource areas and underrepresented groups. I spoke to the center's director, Dr. Satish Gopal, to learn more about the agency's work as well as the collaborative research and technological efforts being done to expand cancer care access. Hi, Dr. Gopal. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me today to discuss the global health initiatives related to cancer research and cancer control efforts during this time we're in with COVID-19. For our listeners, could you tell us about your role at NCI and how your past experiences in medicine have prepared you? Sure. So I am the relatively new director of the Center for Global Health at the National Cancer Institute. So I joined the NCI at the beginning of February in that role. So I realized I actually just crossed my six-month anniversary. Before coming to the NCI, so I guess I should say I'm new both to the NCI and to the federal government. So before coming to the NCI, I was an academic physician scientist. So I'm trained as a medical oncologist and an infectious disease physician, although I was primarily working as an oncologist. But I lived with my and worked with my family in sub-Saharan Africa for nearly a decade. Most recently, that was seven years spent in Malawi. And I was largely based there. I would come back periodically to the U.S. to my home university at the University of North Carolina and provide clinical service, but largely was based in Malawi. And I led a global cancer research program there where we really tried to sort of ask and answer questions that were important for Malawi and also generated scientific knowledge that we thought was sort of important for the world. While I was in Malawi, I also worked as an oncologist. Malawi has approximately 18 million people. Um, During the time that I was living there, I was the only certified medical oncologist. And so, you know, I took care of people in the public sector and led a multidisciplinary research group that was largely supported by the NCI, served on, you know, NCI and other review panels, mentored a lot of young investigators, both from the U.S. and Malawi, who were interested in global cancer research careers. So that's what I did. And I think, you know, those experiences and that perspective, I think, have been really valuable and important in this new role at the NCI. Great. So, I mean, you must be well-versed in global health initiatives with your experience in Malawi. How do the center's role and mission connect to and support traditional cancer research or what some might envision as science done in a lab? Sure. So as you know, the NCI, you know, the mission of the NCI is to lead, conduct and support cancer research to advance scientific knowledge that helps all people live longer, healthier lives. And a lot of the current form of the NCI was authorized by the National Cancer Act in 1971. And we're looking forward to celebrating the 50th anniversary of that really important legislation next year at the NCI. I've been revisiting some of that original legislation just, you know, in the interest of learning the NCI and having joined as a relatively new director. 
and have been really interested to know that the original legislation actually includes sort of an explicit global mandate for the NCI. You know, the NCI has always been a globally active organization. We at the Center for Global Health really try to support the NCI mission. So we specifically try to advance global cancer research and to coordinate NCI engagement in global cancer control. So global health activity is really distributed across the NCI and really precedes the initiation of the Center for Global Health, which occurred in 2011. But the Center for Global Health now is really the part of the NCI that is primarily focused on global health. And again, we try to advance some of our own research initiatives while also coordinating and facilitating activity that's ongoing across the NCI. We think that there's innovative and impactful research that can be done in global health that would really address key scientific issues in global cancer control and also leverage unique scientific opportunities that are afforded by global collaboration. You know, as you mentioned, this, of course, includes science that is done in a lab to better understand cancer biology, you know, why specific cancers develop or to develop new cancer technologies. But, you know, it is important to note that science is certainly not confined to a lab. Even at the NCI and even in relation to a lot of the domestic research that is conducted, you know, the NCI has a huge portfolio that is focused on population sciences, cancer surveillance, implementation science, you know, these real efforts to ensure that the fruits of cancer research are really translated into practices and policies that really impact people's lives. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities for us at the Center for Global Health to really deploy, you know, these capabilities of the NCI in basic clinical and population sciences globally so that, you know, we can be an important contributor to global cancer control. Great. And can you outline some of the major center priorities and goals under development right now? Sure. Yeah, we're developing a number of new research programs and have been really excited to initiate in recent months several new initiatives. One of these is a program that's focused on dissemination and implementation science for cancer control in LMICs. Another is focused on global cancer health disparities. Yet another is focused on HIV and tobacco control in low and middle income countries. Tobacco is, of course, you know, the most preventable or modifiable cancer risk factor worldwide. And so, you know, addressing that in low and middle income countries where tobacco use is increasing, we thought is a really timely opportunity for the NCI to make a real contribution. We have a new program that's focused on data science in Africa So there's a variety of programs that we've initiated even in recent months that have really touched on very different scientific areas and different populations and geographies. Again, really trying to harness the broad capabilities of the NCI to sort of address specific scientific issues in global health and global cancer control. We also have programs that are in development now that are focused on affordable cancer technologies. This is a program that we've been running for a long time that we're sort of thinking about how this might be modified and sustained going forward. Similarly, we're thinking about implementation science for cancer, clinical trials for cancer in low resource settings. So, you know, those are at a more exploratory and kind of developmental stage. But there are a lot of different research programs that we're sort of either actively implementing or conceptualizing and developing at the Center for Global Health. We also have a new program that is focused on global cancer research training. So again, this is something that is relatively new for the NCI, but it became clear, you know, in our interactions with international partners, in our interactions with cancer centers in the U.S. that we're doing a lot of global work, that there was a real need for dedicated global cancer research training. And we've tried to address that with a new global cancer research training program funding initiative. 
We've tried really hard to stimulate the growth of global oncology at cancer centers over the last several years. So many of the cancer centers, you know, have a lot of interested trainees and faculty, and we've tried to make strategic investments in the cancer centers to really encourage them to support global oncology as an academic career. And then I guess the final thing just to mention in terms of, you know, priorities and goals under development is we've really been thinking about how to enhance our dissemination and partnership activities, working with various international partners. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Center for Global Health was initiated in 2011 by Dr. Harold Varmus, who was the NCI director at the time. And this idea that the Center for Global Health would help NCI partner with numerous other international stakeholders that are interested in global cancer control, you know, was always part of the original vision for the Center for Global Health. And we really tried to revisit in recent months very important partnerships that we have with ASCO or the American Society for Clinical Oncology, the American Association for Cancer Research. There's a variety of sort of international governmental and non-governmental organizations that we interact with, many of which are very interested in doing really important work in global cancer. So we've been trying to, again, revisit a lot of those partnerships to ensure that we're being as impactful as we can. That's great. You had also mentioned timeliness, I think, in reference to specific behavioral things that could be changed, for instance, changing someone's progression to lung cancer, and I guess transitioning to COVID-19. COVID-19 is a respiratory illness, but I also wanted to know if you could describe some of the unique and unprecedented challenges and perhaps major disruptions to cancer research and control efforts worldwide during this time. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, as I mentioned, I started at the NCI at the beginning of February and I think was on campus for six weeks before we, you know, shifted to telework. You know, I've been really impressed being at the NCI for a relatively short time, how we've sort of continued our focus on cancer research as our core priority and mission while also really adapting ourselves and I think making really important contributions to COVID-19 research and control, you know, and sort of helping to address this, you know, this kind of imminent public health threat. You know, it's very clear, as you noted, that COVID-19 has had major disruptions on cancer services. That is going on all around the world. You know, Dr. Sharpless in an editorial in Science a couple of weeks ago highlighted that by featuring some data that was produced by some of our colleagues in the Division of Cancer Control and Population Sciences at the NCI. And they had done some mathematical modeling of excess deaths from colorectal and breast cancer that are anticipated to occur over the next 10 years as a result of disrupted cancer screening and treatment services from COVID. And needless to say, there's an enormous number of excess deaths that are anticipated to occur, even using fairly conservative assumptions. Additionally, we've learned that, you know, from a variety of different geographic settings, that there's increased morbidity and mortality for COVID-19 among cancer patients, as well as a lot of redirected funding and personnel. So again, that has not happened at the NCI, where I think we've maintained a remarkable focus on cancer research as our core mission. But, you know, in many other places, it's inevitable that funding and personnel are getting redirected to COVID given, again, the imminent threat that it poses. So I think, you know, this disruption of cancer services, the increased morbidity and mortality for COVID among cancer patients, this redirected funding and personnel to COVID, you know, all of those I think are even more exaggerated in low and middle income countries. You know, many of these countries really don't have the resources either the human or material resources to deal with cancer effectively in their populations 
even under the best of circumstances. And I think coronavirus-related stress is just something that health systems in many of these countries really can't tolerate very effectively. So, you know, it is a, a really unusual time, as you mentioned. And, and I think, you know, we have to be cognizant of the toll that this is taking, you know, on cancer control all around the world. And I think we're likely to see those effects for many, many years to come, both in the U.S. and abroad. And, you know, again, I think at some level, it's incumbent on all of us to both try to address COVID and ensure that, you know, there's undisrupted access to cancer services as much as possible, while also using this disruption as an opportunity to kind of make things better. And I think there are opportunities to do that, both in the U.S. and abroad. So you had mentioned health inequities and disparities in receiving access to resources for cancer care. What is NCI and your center's role in addressing the intersection between global health and these health inequities? Yeah, I mean, this is a really important topic, especially now. I think health inequities, you know, have garnered extreme amounts of attention in recent months, as one wishes they always would. Because of COVID-19 related health disparities, we know that minority communities are more affected by COVID-19 Similarly, with some of the larger social justice and racial equity issues that have occurred as a result of the Black Lives Matters protests, I think these are all things that I think have affected all communities and institutions around the world and have certainly generated a lot of discussion at the NCI. So I completely agree and believe that our work in cancer health disparities domestically and our global cancer activities really share a very deep scientific and philosophical kinship. As you may know, the NCI has a dedicated center to reduce cancer health disparities, and much of its work is really focused on addressing cancer disparities domestically in underrepresented minorities. We've been at the Center for Global Health have really been working closely with the Center to Reduce Cancer Health Disparities at the NCI recently to try to synergize our efforts where possible. As one example, we recently supported a number of global cancer health disparities supplement awards. So this was essentially trying to encourage researchers that were NCI supported and working on cancer health disparities in a domestic context to expand their work to include global populations. And that funding opportunity received an enormous response with incredibly high quality applications. And we've, you know, just gone through the process of reviewing those and are in the process of making those awards. So, you know, I very much think that these are, you know, as you articulated, these are connected sort of fields and disciplines that we should try to bring closer together. I guess the other thing to say is, you know, there's several different elements of this, of health inequities. So one is a need to do high quality research to understand and address disparities. And again, I think we're doing some of that in the global health space through, for example, the program that I just mentioned. I think there's a real need to increase cancer research workforce diversity. Again, we're doing a lot of that domestically at the NCI. We also think, you know, at the Center for Global Health that doing global cancer research really requires a global cancer workforce that is diverse. And so I mentioned earlier a global cancer research training program that we've recently initiated, and that's really intended to encourage the development of cancer investigators in low and middle income countries. Again, because we think that that's a real prerequisite for moving global cancer research forward. And then finally, I think there's a need to understand, to do research to understand and address global health disparities. I think there's a need to increase global workforce diversity. Finally, you know, I think we're, we want to promote a more inclusive cancer research community. There's a lot of discussion about how to do that at the NCI. 
you know, I think in some ways, just creating a Center for Global Health in 2011 was a really important way for the NCI to do that for a more global audience. You know, I think demonstrating a commitment to cancer as a global problem and the NCI's sort of intent to really substantively engage, you know, again, I think really promotes a more inclusive view of what cancer research is. And I think that's really important as well in addressing some of the disparities that you articulated. In addition to increasing workforce diversity, has the center used recent data insights on how COVID-19 is affecting cancer patients in certain ways to inform the center's top priorities and cancer control strategies? Yeah, I think it has. I mean, for example, you know, we spoke already about the major disruptions that COVID is having to cancer services worldwide. And I think that has really stimulated interest in developing more patient and community-centered cancer services you know, for cancer screening, that is, you know, rather than requiring patients to come to clinics or hospitals, you know, there are likely innovative screening methods that can be delivered to patients in their homes or in their communities. And those developments were sort of already happening. But I think, you know, COVID, like so much else, this disruptive effect has really accelerated some of those developments. You know, we think in the global health arena, where often there are not, you know, robust and highly developed health systems or infrastructure, you know, in many respects, I think some global health settings present really unique and exciting opportunities to sort of develop, test and refine some of these approaches, you know, to really deliver more patient and community centered cancer services. And we're trying to support and pursue those opportunities where where they exist. I guess the other thing just to mention is, We talked already about the increased morbidity and mortality that has occurred in cancer patients from when they have been infected with this novel coronavirus. And again, that's something that we have really sought to address both domestically and internationally. So we at the Center for Global Health host a number of dissemination platforms that really bring together researchers and policymakers and clinicians, you know, from numerous kind of international stakeholder organizations. And we've really tried to convene the right expertise to sort of inform, you know, how cancer care should go forward in low and middle income country settings in the context of COVID. And again, I think that's been a place where we've made a, you know, hopefully a contribution to trying to ensure continued access to reasonable quality cancer services, even in low and middle income countries, even under coronavirus conditions. Great. And are there any collaborative activities with other federal agencies or international partners that you'd like to highlight specifically? Probably the most notable one, I think, would be to highlight the NCI's engagement in global cervical cancer elimination. So as you may know, this was articulated as an international goal over the last couple of years and a sort of more concrete strategy for how to achieve that has been taking shape. And the NCI has been very involved in the sort of scientific aspects, really providing technical expertise to inform those efforts. But to really reduce the burden of cervical cancer globally requires not only sort of scientific inputs, but also regulatory implementation, development inputs. And so that's an effort where there's really high level engagement, I would say, across U.S. government, including the NCI, but also FDA, PEPFAR, USAID. I think there's a number of U.S. governmental agencies that are really substantively engaged in that worldwide effort. Great. And I guess I just wanted to touch a bit more on telehealth and I guess virtual meetings now. 
Could we discuss a little bit more about, you know, the importance of telehealth for cancer patients during this time and also virtual meetings for researchers who are engaging in this global scientific collaboration and effort to prevent cancer patients from having to experience, you know, the worst of COVID-19? So with respect to telehealth, I mean, as you said, I think that's been a really important framework for kind of maintaining some continuity of cancer services here in the U.S., as well as this transition of meetings, you know, scientific conferences to virtual formats. I mean, certainly that's been very important for us at the Center for Global Health and continuing to conduct a lot of our work. Many of the meetings, you know, that we sponsor in recent months and even in the months to come, you know, given that travel restrictions are likely to stay in place for, you know, I think for the foreseeable future, we've been transitioning a lot of our those types of activities to virtual formats. And actually, in many respects, I think that's been a really good development for us. You know, of course, it is always nice to get together with our colleagues and partners in person, but we have seen a real democratizing effect, particularly for our partners who are living in low and middle income countries to participate by transitioning a lot of these activities to virtual formats. So, you know, traveling from Malawi, where I used to live to the United States requires a lot of time and requires a lot of substantial expense. And I used to do that periodically when I really needed to for scientific meetings, but it wasn't necessarily easy for me to come to the U.S. And I thought carefully about, you know, when I did. But, you know, so in some ways, transitioning a lot of our content to virtual formats has really allowed robust participation by a lot of people who I think, again, you know, primarily some of our colleagues and partners in low and middle income countries who wouldn't have access to that type of information or those types of platforms or venues otherwise. The other thing I think to just mention here is, you know, we very much believe that various mobile health solutions have a lot of applicability in low and middle income countries. That's something that we have been supporting at the Center for Global Health, you know, as part of several trans NIH initiatives for years, even before the novel coronavirus pandemic. As you may know, cell phone use, even in many low and middle income countries, are widely available and often used to deliver, you know, to pay utilities and to do cash transfers. And, you know, they really do provide a, a mechanism for health education, screening reminders. And we've supported grants that have really encouraged the use of those technologies to deliver cancer services. And again, I think that's a development that we hope will accelerate with coronavirus-related disruptions, because I think there is unique applicability for some of the models that you've suggested in the global health arena. Tying into increased mobility and, I guess, access to even internet, what do you see as, I guess, the biggest opportunity for making progress against cancer globally as it relates to technology? There are real opportunities to think disruptively, and disruption is kind of a terrible word now with coronavirus, but I mean that in a positive sense. I think coronavirus certainly offers a lot of opportunity to accelerate innovations for cancer control. Similarly, I think in low and middle income countries, I think the reality is that, you know, they often don't really have health systems or infrastructure that would allow solutions that have been developed in the United States to be easily transposed. And I think that offers real opportunities to really test develop, test, and refine new approaches to cancer prevention and treatment that really then could be applied in diverse populations and settings to optimize their global impact. And there are a number of specific things that the NCI is doing now to really try to realize some of those opportunities where collaborating with international partners and work even being done in low and middle income countries really could translate in a way that 
improves services and care for people worldwide. You know, so an example would be human papillomavirus vaccination, the NCI is supporting studies to evaluate whether one dose would be equivalent to two. Those studies are being done internationally, but if those are positive, you know, that would have worldwide implications for cervical cancer control. There are similar efforts to really develop really innovative cervical cancer screening methods. There are efforts to develop new molecular diagnostic tools, some of which we're supporting at the Center for Global Health that would sort of obviate the need for expensive pathology systems and infrastructure. You know, I think there are opportunities to test new treatments that would not rely on chemotherapy and radiotherapy, that is, less, more targeted, novel treatment approaches that could be applicable and implemented in low- and middle-income countries. So there's a whole variety, I think, of opportunities, and I think many of these are things that the NCI is already doing, you know, to really take advantage of global partnerships and collaboration to produce knowledge and science that, you know, benefits people everywhere. I mean, I often say that studying cancer everywhere can benefit people everywhere. And I think that's reflected in a lot of the work that's ongoing at the NCI, including at the Center for Global Health. I think that's it for my questions. But is there anything else that you would like to highlight or go over in terms of, you know, what the center is doing and the importance of global scientific collaboration and specific intervention methods, possibly for cancer patients? I don't think I have anything additional. I mean, it was really nice to be able to sort of provide an overview of some of the global health activities that are ongoing at the NCI today, and especially in the current context. And, you know, for me, it's just been a joy to join the NCI and to have the opportunity to help lead some of its global activities going forward. I think there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of of exciting innovation that is going to occur in the global health arena in years to come. And I'm excited to participate in that at the NCI. Thanks so much, Dr. Gopal, for joining me for this episode. I learned a lot about what is going on in this space and really what the center's mission is to control global cancer and basically to help save lives. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Faith, for having me. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Ryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.